0: How can today's book lover decide what to read? With a vast array of choices, what to choose? Professor Jim Flynn is a world-renowned expert on intelligence and IQ and believes that reading gives you a deeper understanding of the world. He scoured the globe looking for the pearls by today's authors. You'll be surprised, delighted, you'll be outraged. But that's the magic of a book list. I'm Wallace Chapman, and in this 10 part series, I go in search of the best modern authors with Jim Flynn. Welcome to the new Torchlight List. This episode going to Africa as part of the new Torchlight list. And one of my favourite authors uh, of all time, Professor Flynn, J.M. Coetzee. Now he's a South African novelist, essayist, linguist, translator and recipient of the 2003 Nobel Prize in Literature. That book for me, Disgrace, was, um, well... Speechless. I loved it. One of my favourite books of all time. What do you think?
1: Disgrace is a very good book indeed. I mean, it's in the the post-apartheid era, and there's no civil war, but there's violence with a lot of underlying race hate. And the best one in it is Petrus. Uh, There is a woman who is isolated in a black area who's trying to run a farm, and she's been raped by his nephew and others, though he doesn't consider the nephew guilty because he didn't actually participate in the rape. But he takes her under his protection, and there's an unspoken agreement. He's to get all of her land when she dies, but he is going to protect her from other kinds of violence. Uh, I thought that the scenes were very effective. I mean, particularly the psychoanalysis of Petrus, the black farmer, who likes the woman, but there's a price. He wants the land, Mm. and he offers her protection. As And then there's the main character who at university uh, is involved in an affair, and I thought he was... Much less effective than both the rural woman and the black.
0: In the last episode, we talked about the Booker Prize winning uh, book, The Luminaries of Eleanor Catton. This, I do believe, I mean, it's, I think it won the Pulitzer Prize, and it is a slimmest of novels compared to the huge tome that is The Luminaries. What's the best sort of writing? Is it better, do you think, to Put greatness into, say, 6,000 words. Is that better than 600,000 words?
1: Depends on two things. First, there's the theme. I think that the Cairo Trilogy by Mafuse uh, had to be long because he wanted to give you the impression of what it was like to live in Egypt over a period of about 60 years. And if you have a theme like that, you're going to write a wrong novel. There is another way of writing a long novel, as we've already discussed, and that's something like The Brothers Karamazov. And interspersed in the action are wonderful essays on religion, on whether morality can survive once religion is gone, by the mind who is of a genius. But a lot of people are talented novelists without being geniuses. They are wonderful on character and plot and dialogue, and when they interrupt their book to pad it out with a long soliloquies on death or resurrection or you know love and the rest of it, they're just not up to it. And uh, so it depends. Sometimes the subject matter demands a long novel. Uh, sometimes right. you do better to cut it. With Coetzee, uh,
0: even I mean I I just love him, but you say that. I believe Coetzee is a competent rather than an outstanding
1: novelist. I think you're right. So
0: so, so you, you, to, to you, he's not
1: brilliant. He's not. I read The Life and Times of Michael Kay, and he uses him. He's a simple-minded man with a hair lip who is drifting around, and he shows, of course, the sort of experiences that did foreshadow a civil war. And I thought it was a well-written novel, but I didn't think it was outstanding.
0: Now, you mentioned Mahfouz before from Egypt. Now, this uh, writer won the 1988 Nobel Prize for Literature and the only Arab writer to have won the award, and he's regarded as one of the first contemporary writers of Arab literature. Uh, and uh, he writes expansively, doesn't it? One of his uh, books, what, 1,200 pages long?
1: The best of his work is the Cairo Trilogy, and it's three books, and they amount collectively to 1,200 pages. Uh, he details in a wonderful way what life was like in Egypt from 1900 through 1950. And particularly good is portrayal of the changing status of women. You go from a woman who is perfectly happy in 1900 that when her drunken husband comes home who's been visiting, you know, houses of prostitution, uh, she values the fact that she waits up for him and helps him undress because he's too drunk and sort of suckers him and... She can't understand why people are interested in nationalism. They are sending a delegation to London to see the Queen to get the British out. And she says, but they have been our guests for many years. It seems impolite to tell the Queen we don't appreciate them. After all, they've stayed out of the temple, you know. They haven't gone into the mosque. And you find the characters develop, of course. By the final novel, there's a woman who's actually a journalist. And you find the rising tide of nationalism that goes throughout the book. So I think it's a landmark work.
0: Gosh, so 1,200 pages, is it worth my valuable time?
1: Read the first one and see what you think. (laughs) It'll be about 400 pages. And by the way, the analysis of the characters is not endless psychoanalysis. It's kept in balance. I mean, you are told what the characters are thinking, but not at the sort of length that would put you off. Now... Rian Milan.
0: This is back to uh, South Africa. My Traitor's Heart, well-known book, 1990. It tells the story of Rian Milan's father's family who arrived at the Cape from France in the 17th century. Uh, And you say that in moving prose, you get South African history from the beginning of European settlement to the end of apartheid and Nelson Mandela's release from prison. I haven't read any of Milan's work. What's this book like?
1: That's very good. I don't know that he could write a good novel, but he's written a wonderful autobiography. And he, his traitor's heart is that he thinks entirely benevolently of blacks, but is convinced that the society is so full of violence that he dreads what has happened. That is, the end of apartheid he fears will release in African society all the violence that's pent up there. And it's not just that blacks have been treated so horribly. He says, we did not learn to love before they learned to hate. But again, he's appalled by the violence between blacks, that right after apartheid fell, the Zulus massacred 46 people of the African National Congress, and the ANC leader was assassinated, and Zulus fight with each other essentially just for pleasure. And uh, he recounts an incident where a black goes on a train to rob, and the the train is entirely full of blacks. And his technique is he uses a bicycle spoke and drives it through a guy's thigh to fix him to the bench so he can rob him at leisure. Uh, Naipaul called it one of the best books on Africa he had ever read.
0: Now, uh, an omission. Uh, No black writers from South Africa. I didn't find. So, why was that?
1: I found people suggesting plenty of black writers from elsewhere. On the Torchlight List, I cover some wonderful black writers in Nigeria. No one suggested a South African black writer that they said they'd enjoy. Now, I'm sure they're there. And just touching briefly, because
0: uh, one of my favorite writers uh, is Nigerian Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Yes. Half of the Yellow Sun, can I recommend that Oh, definitely.
1: It's covered in the torchlight list. There's one wonderful thing in it, by the way, and you might wonder why Nigeria fell so quickly to the Christian missionaries. And it was because their traditional culture had no place for men that weren't macho. And a woman who had twins, the twins had to be killed. They were devilish. And when the Christians came in, they said, everyone is worthwhile on the side of God. You don't have to be macho. You can keep your twins. And it wasn't force of arms. That is, Christianity actually gave many people in Igbo society a feeling of dignity.
0: Now... Into Somalia, we're talking about uh, African novels, this podcast and this episode. Now, Somalia, Ayan Hersi Ali, uh, a Somali-born Dutch-American activist, author and former Dutch politician. And she's a leading opponent of female genital mutilation and calls for a reformation of Islam. She's a feminist, an atheist. I have yet to read any of Hersi Ali's work.
1: Well, I would certainly read Infidel, My Life, which is about... First, she was subjected to female circumcision. and
0: 2006? Yes, and
1: if you think that everyone uh, among African women is happy and reconciled to their lot, you'll find that she wasn't. She was particularly shocked that when she became literate, she read the Koran, and she found that much of what was objectionable was actually in there. Holy war, child marriage... The husband's right to beat the wife if she denied him sex. He could even have sex on the back of a camel. Uh, So she was shocked by what the Koran said. But she was initially devout, wasn't she? She was initially devout. And her father, of course, was a nice man and emphasized the nice aspects of the Koran, just as a benevolent Christian will skip the Old Testament. But uh, she eventually realized that Orthodox belief in the Koran was nothing she wanted. And when she went to Holland, she found horribly enough that you still had honor killings. You know, women who were raped and were killed by their fathers as defiled. We might
0: also say, just as a side note, that one commentator has called the Bible as one of the most genocidal books in history as well. mean, it's not just the Koran. The
1: Koran is bad, but if you read Leviticus... You find God instructing the Jews. In one case, they don't kill all the women and children, and he chides them. Why didn't you kill all the women and children?
0: To Libya, Uh, Hisham Mattar's debut novel, uh, In the Country of Men, was shortlisted for the 2006 Man Booker Prize. Uh, And Mattar's essays have appeared in the Independent, New York Times, The Guardian, quite a star. He currently lives in London. Tell us about this author.
1: Well, he's very good. I thought Anatomy of a Disappearance was better than In the Country of Men. Anatomy of Disappearance, I thought, was less sentimental than In the Country of Men. But again, he's an antidote to the notion of women happy with their lot. I mean, one of the women is married at 14, and the reason she's married at 14 was that someone saw her sitting across from a, a man at a table in a public place. And so she has to marry him, and she's very lucky because if she hadn't been a virgin, her father would have had to have killed her. And uh, y- you know, it's you give a, this an excellent portrayal.
0: In fact, you uh, you say that this borders on the quality of the great Ishigiro's work, which you're a <laughs> you're that, a that huge novel. fan of, as we found out.
1: Yes, that novel does. I don't think the earlier one did, but I want to read more because one great novel out of two is pretty good.
0: Now, just in terms of reading from around the world and countries that we might not be familiar with, what's the, what's the value, do you think, of entering another culture like, say, Nigeria or Morocco and Libya and going, oh, I'm not quite sure if I can sort of get, understand or interested in it. What do you think is the value of going to these countries?
1: There are a number of things. First, you read for pleasure. But secondly, you only know what human nature is capable of if you read what's happened to it in a variety of societies. The person who only knows their own society only knows what doors that society opened and not what it shut. And when you see these other societies, you know that they've walked through very different doors. And it also enhances your understanding of what's going on currently. You read about these people who go to Europe from war tone areas like Syria, and you think, yes, from a war tone area, of course you're going to go to Europe. And then you read a novel uh, by Jaloun from Morocco, and the Moroccan men with degrees, there's no prospect of employment. They sit at tables all day and live on whatever pittance their female relatives give them. Her dying of work in factories, to, and they'll do anything to get to Spain. One of them hitches up with a gay man, even though he isn't gay. A woman goes over as an au pair and is, you know, willing to be ill-treated endlessly. Deeper understanding.
0: It gives uh, you a deeper understanding. Now, next episode, uh, we have the books of Asia and the Middle East, and a book that has been hailed as the best literary work to emerge from Iran.
1: Is it any good, Jim? No, it's awful.
0: (laughs) The new Torchlight List with Professor Jim Flynn, scouring the globe looking for the pearls by today's authors, with me, Wallace Chapman. The new Torchlight List was produced by Christine Sessford and recorded by Jeremy Veal. And if you enjoyed it, please write us a review or rate us on iTunes. And while you're there, check out and subscribe to any of the other great RNZ podcasts. There are plenty to choose from. Thanks for listening. Botox Cosmetic, auto botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.